Good morning. It is seven minutes after 10 o'clock. After listening to Nikki Haley, and because tomorrow is a day that we honor those brave American men and women who have put their lives on the line, I wanted to replay this interview about our foreign policy. And I'm telling you, you're going to hear things you've never heard before. And we'll give you a link to the details. You can do your own homework. You're going to find that everything we say in this interview is true. And it's what you have not heard in government schools. Here we go. I watched as they debated foreign policy. And I watched as the, uh, as the Republicans were supporting the same errant foreign policy we've had for over a hundred years. So I, I called uh, on Perry Willis uh, to come on the program uh, to explain the history of American war. And it is not what you were taught in grade school. If you want... More information, or you want to read uh, what Perry has uh, put together, because he's done some great articles on this, go to wartruth.org. Wartruth.org. Uh, and read about our foreign policy. With that uh, with that in mind, let me bring Perry on. Hey, Perry, good morning. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? I am doing well. Glad to have you with us. We got you up at dark 30 in the morning, because I think you're on Pacific time. But we are grateful that you're glad to be with you. Great. Uh, we're going to just jump right in here um, because we have a history of the federal government lying to us to motivate us to go into war. And, you know, it, it, it appears to start with the War of 1812. Yeah, uh, it goes back to the very beginning. And, and pretty much every single war that we've ever been involved in has had the same features. What I like to do is I like to look at each war and ask four questions. Did it defend freedom? Did it defend, defend America? Did it make the world a better place? Was it caught, fought for true reasons or under false pretenses? So if right, you look the, at the... Go ahead. All right, so uh, my history lessons, they told me uh, that U.S. sailors were forced to serve on British ships uh, and that there was a trade uh, deal going on... Uh, and, and that's what the war was about. But that's not what the war was about, right? No. Uh, the impressment was certainly going on, but what they, don't, what they didn't teach me in high school, and I didn't learn until later, was all sides did impressment, including the U.S. Navy, including U.S. merchant ships. And this practice continued in, in, into the 20th century in some cases. So that was nothing new. And if you wanted to have a war about it, you could do it any time because it was always going on, except that you, you yourself, the U.S., was doing it too. So that wasn't the real reason. If you look at the debates in Congress and you look at the newspapers of the time, the real thing that they were hoping for out of that war was that they would be able to conquer Canada. So we wanted to expand. Now, we wanted to expand, right. We thought we should have Canada, and we thought we could get it as a result of this war. And, of course, we got our nose bloodied, and that didn't happen. Uh, and then it continues that way. All the wars of the 19th century were wars of conquest, and all of them were fought under false pretenses. And, uh, and, and in at least one case, there was a much better option to achieve what, what we did, and, that, and that's in the next war, the, the Mexican-American War. All right, so this goes back to 1846. That's right. Uh, so, so go ahead. You, t you tell the story. We drew an artificial line in, in the on the ground in Texas and said if the Mexican army crosses this line, they're coming into our territory, and, and it's an invasion. And 
So there was a staged event to make it look like that had happened. Well, Ulysses Grant was there as one of the people on the American side, and he wrote about it in his memoirs. It was a fake event, and it led to us invading Mexico so that we could take possession of the uh, western half of the United States, California, Arizona, New Mexico, so forth. So I'm sure we're all glad that we have those territories, and we probably all think that we do a better job with them than Mexico did. But the war was fought under, under false pretenses. It was a war of conquest, and there was a better alternative. And the better alternative was the same way we bought the Louisiana Purchase and Alaska. Uh, because in that particular case uh, 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 during the Mexican War, Mexico owed us a lot of money and was in default on, on its debts to us. So we simply could have foreclosed and wow. sent the troops in to the Western territories to uh, compensate for the, for the debts and maybe paid Mexico a little bit of extra money if we thought it was worth more. And we would not have had a war uh, that cost a lot of lives and that uh, created you know, long-term enmity between the Mexican people and the American people. And, and Polk's uh, manifesto was Manifest Destiny. Uh, it, yeah, the one good thing to say about Polk is he's probably the one president in American history who set out exactly what he was going to do before he was elected and then did every part of it and then retired. So, now, that, so that's two wars, two conflicts fought uh, and, and based on lies. Based on lies, that's right. All right, so let's move up to 1898. We have the Spanish-American War. Yeah, so this is where things really go wrong. Uh, the American people were told that this was a war to liberate uh, the Spanish colonies, especially Cuba, but all of the Spanish colonies. It wasn't a war of liberation at all. It was a war in order to conquer the, uh, an empire for the United States. Now, we did, after we won the war, we sort of let Cuba be sort of free, although they were really under our thumb and, and ruled by a long string of U.S.-backed dictators. So they weren't really free. But at the same time, we uh, took colonies in Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Guam. So that was the real purpose of the war. It didn't have anything to do with freedom. Um, uh, but, it get, but it gets worse because the Filipinos resisted our rule, and that led to the Philippines War. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't, what happened to the, uh, the, the sinking of the Maine? Oh, yeah, thank you. I forgot about that. So that's the suppose. That's the uh, other than liberating the Spanish colonies. That's the other supposed reason that Spain supposedly blew up our battleship. And so the cry was, "Remember the Maine." But it, this has been researched a lot, including by Admiral Rickover of the, the U.S. Navy, and it was a, a, a coal bunker fire that caused the explosion. It had nothing to do with Spain. So you know, this is. This is a pattern that we're going to see as we go through these wars, that the politicians come up with some sort of precipitating event to get the American people all worked up and angry, and they go to war. And then when it's all over and done, the passions have cooled, and the American people look back at what happened and say, gosh, I wish we hadn't have done that. But somehow they're not ready the next time when the politicians come up with another fake event and, and trick them into going to war yet again. All right, let's move up to the Philippine War. This is 1899 to 1902. 
Yeah, so, you know, we, we, we were supposed to be liberating the Philippines, but since the truth is that we really wanted the Philippines as a colony, uh, we had to fight them when they resisted. And we used rape, torture, mass murder of Filipinos to finally subdue them. We killed something like a quarter million Filipinos. The pictures from this war look like something out of the Holocaust. And I think most Americans would, most Americans don't know that this war even happened, let alone how horrific it was. Why did we want the Philippines so much? What, what about the Philippines was so attractive that we were willing to go to war to take them? Our politicians thought that, you know, all the major powers in the world had empires and colonies. And we were, we were done with manifest destiny. We had the whole, you know, Atlantic to Pacific portion of the North American continent. How, we were, how were we going to continue to expand uh, and be an imperial power like all the other great powers? So it was a, purely a desire, desire for empire. It had nothing to do with liberating anyone. Well, couldn't, couldn't the United States, because that was the way it was done uh, in the 1800s, couldn't they have just said, uh, we're going to conquer this land and make it ours? I mean, that's what Britain did. Britain did, didn't I, they couldn't have because, fortunately, there was tremendous opposition to the Spanish-American War among the American people. And uh, famous people like Mark Twain were involved in the opposition. A lot of uh, ex-presidents were involved in the opposition to the war. In fact, if memory serves, the vote in Congress for the war was pretty close. So absent the propaganda that we were going to liberate these colonies, I, I don't think the American people would have supported the war, and I don't think it could have been approved in Congress. So it had to be based on a lie in order for it to happen. All right, we got to move forward here, but I'm up against the clock. I have to take a break. Uh, Perry Willis is with us, author, and uh, he's done some terrific research. If you want to look at some of the things that he's written uh, it, it, to, to do your own homework, go to wartruth.org. Because now we're going to go into the 20th century and see what we've done that uh, that uh, has made us less safe. Gary Nolan Zimmer, Radio Network. If you just turned the radio on, we're talking with Perry Willis. He's done a great deal of homework uh, dealing with uh, U.S. involvement overseas. Uh, I was inspired to do this after watching uh, the Republicans debate uh, going after, uh, you know, spending more money in Ukraine uh, and their concerns about China and how we have to do this and if we don't do this, blah, blah, blah. It just made me crazy. So I invited Perry Willis on, who's done all this work. And you can uh, you can review his work because it's it's up there on the uh, on the World Wide Web. It's wartruth.org. Wartruth.org. Uh, and if you've got any questions, I want you to feel free to call us, uh, 800-529-5572. We're now jumping ahead to the 20th century, and Teddy Roosevelt, uh, and he, what you're telling me, Perry, is that Teddy Roosevelt practically created Japan? The Empire of Japan. Yeah. He, uh, so this is kind of a fallout uh, from the, 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 the Spanish-American War. Uh, Roosevelt is very impressed by the Japanese. In fact, his, his views 
are very similar to those of, of Adolf Hitler's. He subscribed to the same racist Aryan theory that the Nazis did. He believed it was the right and duty of Aryans to conquer darker people. Uh, he foreshadowed Hitler by adopting the Japanese as honorary Aryans. And he proposed a Monroe Doctrine for the Western Pacific that encouraged Japan to conquer an empire. And he gave Japan their first imperial victim, which was Korea. I mean, this the, is a date that I really. This that? is the same country we've had a military presence in since the 1950s. Yes, yes. And we'll be getting to how our U.S. politicians created the current situation with North Korea as we go along here. Uh, but this is kind of the start of that. The whole process that leads to the, to the division of Korea starts here. And it's a date that I think Americans should remember the same way that they remember Pearl Harbor. And that date is November 28, 1905. Because on that day, Teddy Roosevelt closed the U.S. Embassy in Korea and invited the Japanese to conquer the country. How did he invite them to do that? He just to say, hey, come in and come in and conquer the country. We're not going to oppose you. We're closing our embassy. In fact, here you can have our embassy. So was, Jap was Japan making uh, making uh, uh, overtures about taking over Korea? They were interested in basically emulating us and the British. We had just conquered a an empire in the Western Pacific, and they thought, well, we're, we want to be a major power, too. We want to have an empire also. And Teddy Roosevelt thought that would be a great idea, and he said, why don't you make Korea your first colony? You, you now, we actually have proof that he, he invited them to do this. Yes, yes. If... Your listeners would like to learn more about this. The best book on this subject is by James Bradley. It's a book called The Imperial Cruise. And it lays out all the points I've just made. And again, this is history. It's all based on primary sources, too. This is not uh, secondary sources or hearsay or, you know, somebody wrote this sometime in a book. It's all primary documentary sources. And it lays out all the points that I just just made here. Perry Willis is with us, and uh, WarTruth.org. You can find out the, the history of America's foreign policy, uh, and and again, uh, it, it appears that we have gotten engaged uh, in an activity that we later had to clean up that didn't make us safer. Um, it, it's it really uh, it, it's just more of the same history that we are still being told we should engage in. And it, it it's really frustrating to hear the Republicans keep saying, well, we've got to worry about China, we've got to worry about Ukraine, we've got to worry about Putin. So let's move over to World War I, if we can, because uh, we're, we're kind of running a little long here. The, the yeah, impetus... So Go ahead. The, the question I ask about this one is, did U.S. politicians support the more evil side in World War One? And that comes as a shock to people because they kind of think of Germans in World War One as being the same as the Germans in World War Two. You know, the Kaiser was marching around in this silly uniform with a spiked helmet, and weren't they trying to conquer Europe, and, and weren't they evil, and didn't we have to stop them? And But none of that's really true. 
if you look at the situation at that time, the biggest empires in the world were Great Britain, France, and Russia. Germany didn't have a big empire. Austria-Hungary didn't have a big empire. Uh, Russia was an autocracy, whereas Germany was a constitutional monarchy. They had a prime minister and a parliament, just like Great Britain. Well, so, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, would the, so this uh, Ferdinand deal was not the reason for World War One. Well, it, it started a chain of events that led to World War II, primarily because uh, alliances that were supposed to prevent war from happening actually encouraged it to happen. But talking about the U.S. angle on this, when we entered the war, we entered on the side of more evil powers, the powers that had conquered more of the world. The, the powers, we had Russia as an ally, which was an autocracy. So, okay. Why did we do that? When, when the war started, Wilson told Americans to be neutral both in deed and in thought. But then he himself was not neutral in deed or thought from the very beginning. He supported England from the very beginning. And the way that we did that was we honored the British blockade, which meant effectively that we were trading with France and Britain, but not Germany. We would let Britain stop our ships, our merchant ships, and not let them go to German ports. What about the sinking this, of the Lusitania? This is why eventually the Germans started sinking our merchant ships. All right. They were starving, and it was right, the only way they could redress the balance of us honoring the blockade. All right, Perry, I, I'm up against the clock. I have to take a break. I'm going to ask you to hang on because we've got just a couple of more uh, uh, excursions in foreign policy uh, to expose to listeners. Wartruth.org. Uh, you, can, you can look at his research. You can look at what he's written. He's got links everywhere. We're going to come back and uh, wrap up the 20th and into the 21st century. I'm a Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. All right, uh, so th this is fascinating to me because I wasn't taught these things. And I didn't know them until I saw the research. You can go to that website, look at the details, do your own homework, and what you'll find is that he's telling you real American history. I mean, th this whole thing with North Korea, we, we invited Japan in, then we went to war with Japan and drove them out had an alliance with Russia. It was actually Russia that was probably more responsible for what happened in North Korea and turning them uh, communist than anything else. But we enabled all that. We jumped into these foreign wars we had no business being involved in. All right, let's take a look at the uh, rest of the 20th and 21st century involvement of the U.S. military on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 1035 if you just turned the radio on. Uh, after listening to Vivek Ramaswamy uh, debating with uh, about our, our foreign policy uh, and, and the Republicans promoting the same errant foreign policy we've always had, and because tomorrow's Veterans Day, I wanted to go over a quick history of the United States at war. 
and you're hearing things that you've probably never heard before, but you can research this. You can validate and verify this because I'm giving you links throughout this interview where you can go and, and find the research. So here we go on American foreign policy. It's been very, very telling um, how all of our excursions we've been lied to. I mean, blatantly lied to. Uh, and it, it has a lot to do with um, getting more real estate. Uh, manifest destiny during the Polk uh, years. Uh, and we've gone on to talk about how Teddy Roosevelt literally invited Japan to take over Korea. We saw that there's a mess we're still dealing with today from this. Uh, and, and this is not, Perry, welcome back. This is not hearsay, secondhand. Uh, there is research where this is being communicated, right? To Japan. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. There's a great book on the on the Teddy Roosevelt Korea case called The Imperial Cruise. Uh, there's great books on all the stuff we've talked about so far and the stuff we're going to talk about. And they're all listed in the articles that are available on wartrip.org. All right, so this is a, a history lesson that most Americans don't get. Uh, World War One, we're told it was the sinking of the Lusitania, but we also know that we were warned not to sail into those waters. Uh, we were uh, showing a preference for Great Britain, uh, starving uh, Germany. Uh, this was not the Germany of the Nazis in World War II. World War I led to World War II. Uh, if we hadn't gotten involved in World War I, what might have happened? If we had not gotten involved in World War One. It would have ended in a draw. There would have been no victors. Uh, there would have been mutinies by the troops in the trenches. They would have stopped fighting. Uh, that was that had already happened. It was happening on the Eastern Front, and it had already happened on, on the French Front. It would have ended in a draw. But because we intervened, we gave victory, undeserved victory, to the largest imperial powers in the world, which were Britain, France, and Russia. And because we did that, we set off three catastrophic events. One of them was the creation of the Soviet Union, which would not have occurred if we had not intervened in World War One. The other was the eventual rise of radical Islam, which came about because we gave victory to France and Britain, who betrayed uh, people in the Middle East to create more colonies there and to create these Frankenstein hodgepodge countries like Iraq that this goes back cause all the problems we've had recently. This goes back to Lawrence of Arabia, doesn't it? It does. It does. The, the British had made a deal with the Arabs about what would happen afterwards, that, that they would have their own country, would, uh, uh, but that, that was betrayed. Uh, once the U.S., U.S. politicians gave victory to Britain and France, Britain and France carved up the Middle East to create new colonies for themselves. And if I'm not and mistaken, they, they carved them up so that they would be fighting each other instead of fighting Britain. That's right. They, 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 they created these countries to be as in, internally unstable as possible so that the internal conflict would make it easier for Britain and, and France to control them. Unbelievable. And 
That's why we end up later with dictatorships running these countries because they're so they're, they're so poorly designed. All right. So, uh, but the worst thing probably that happened from U.S. intervention in World War One was the creation of the Soviet Union. All right. Well, let's Most, let's let me let me do this. I'm going to divert you a little bit. World War One. If we don't get involved, they fight to a draw. We don't have the Treaty of Versailles. We don't heap all this debt on Germany. And then we don't have Adolf Hitler. We don't have Adolf Hitler, but there's an additional uh, U.S. policy that, ha that, in addition to intervention in World War One, that's required for Hitler to come about. Hitler is really a phenomenon of the, of the Federal Reserve monetary policy which caused the Great Depression, which spread around the world, uh, and which brought Hitler to power. Uh, absent, absent that, absent the Great Depression, the Nazis would have been a tiny party. I, I show in the article that I write about this that the Nazis were very, very small prior to the Great Depression, and then mushroomed in size once the Great Depression started. So... Two things were needed to bring Hitler to power. One was the, you know, the Versailles Treaty, and the other one was the Federal Reserve causing the Great Depression. Well, that and and uh, the tariff war that we started, the trade war, uh, Smoot Hawley. Yeah, the Smoot Hawley uh, tariff bill was was horrible. All, all right. So, so all that happens because we trip, we tipped the balance. Their agreement would have been completely different. And that's the impetus behind World War II uh, with Adolf Hitler. But wait, there's more. Because uh, part of the axis of power, uh, the axis of evil, as they say, uh, was Japan. Uh, how on earth we, we helped create Japan, uh, you said, when, uh, when we invited them to take over Korea. But how did they then become our enemy? Well, because they went on from Korea, Korea to try and conquer Manchuria. You know, they were, Teddy, Teddy told them, go, go create an empire. Well, we had the Philippines and Guam and, you know, all those countries and islands around them. Where did, where could they go to, to do their empire? They had to go into Asia itself. So first they went into Korea and then they went into Manchuria. And so when FDR is president, he, starts an embargo against Japan to try to get them to stop invading Manchuria. And they, we were the major source of their oil. And they thought, uh, we've got to get oil from someplace else. And, you know, Japanese, politi politi Japanese politicians are just as stupid as U.S. politicians. So instead of just buying the oil from someplace else, they decided they have to go conquer it. And that they're not going to be able to conquer it without first neutralizing the U.S. Navy. And so they attacked Pearl Harbor. Uh, all right. So this gets, this, this gets pretty ugly. Um, I want to roll back the clock a little bit uh, because um, there's a piece that you write about uh, with the, uh, the Germans, or the British, rather, uh, giving us all stories about German atrocities, which we later hear happens again, for instance, with uh, Iraq. What were they, what were they, uh, what were they, what was Great Britain telling the American public 
to get them riled up to go into war? They were telling uh, us that the Germans were stabbing babies with bayonets in Belgium. And that didn't really happen. There were some atrocities. There are always atrocities in war. U.S. soldiers have committed atrocities in war. It's not, it's it's just something that happens. Uh, It was greatly exaggerated by the British. They spent a lot of money in America propagandizing the American people. But they also did something else, which actually, in my view, kind of was an act of war against the U.S. They cut the transatlantic cable so that Germany could not communicate with the U.S., so that only Great Britain would be able to tell the American people their version of what was going on. Wow. That is amazing. Uh, And most of us did not learn any of this in school. Government schools were not teaching this. Um, That's right. All right, so none of this made us more secure. Uh, Ultimately, it leads to uh, more deaths. Uh, this is how Adolf Hitler ends up in power. We got to go to war now. Now we've now we've been attacked by Japan at Pearl Harbor. I want to stick the Soviet Union in here real quick because uh, uh, this is this is really to me almost the biggest uh, negative outcome of our intervention in World War One. A lot of people don't understand that there were two Russian revolutions. The first one deposed the, the Tsar. And the second one, which which came uh, nearly a uh, a year later, uh, created the Soviet Union. So how is it that U.S. intervention caused that? Well, the, the, the Russian troops were mutinying. They didn't want to fight anymore. When we got in the war, that gave the Russians increased hope that they could achieve victory. Plus, we started giving them money to stay in the war. The result of that was that the discontent of the Russian people continued, and the only people that were saying, we're going to get you out of the war, were the Bolsheviks. And so eventually the Bolsheviks take over. And and right after we entered the war, the Germans put Lenin in a sealed train and sent him back to Russia to, to make exactly this happen so that he would take Russia out of the war. And basically what Germany was calculating was, okay, we've gained a new enemy in the United States. We need to get rid of one of our other enemies, which we can do by having Lenin go back to the Soviet Union, to Russia. So absent our involvement, the war would have ended before there was time for the Bolshevik Revolution to take place. And there would have been no Soviet Union. There would have been no Cold War. There would have been no Vietnam, no North Korea, probably no Red China. And the tens of millions that Stalin murdered and the tens of millions that Mao murdered and the millions that Pol Pot murdered would not have died, probably. We have uh, we talked about Korea being created earlier on and how that happened uh, by empowering Japan. But now we have Korea split in half, north and south. Harry Truman somehow is part of that that makeup. Yes. 
Yes, so at the end of World War, we had a very simple-minded way that we fought uh, the war in the Pacific. We, we were just intent on defeating Japan, and we didn't give any, we, I'd say U.S. politicians at the time, did not give any thought to what things would look like after the war. So as the war is winding down, we've got this big problem that we have to garrison these places that the Japanese had conquered. And how can we do that? How, where we don't have enough troops. So they invite the Soviet Union to come in and garrison the northern half of Korea. And because of that, we end up with North Korea. We created it. Wow. What, what, and it's just it's just amazing how all these pathologies develop, and, it, and they're all based on lies, and they're still being promoted to this day. Yes, yes. We're we, always told that, that, that somebody is this great evil, that if we don't stop them, there will be disaster. You know, with Saddam yeah. Hussein, we have to, have to stop Saddam Hussein, or there will be disaster. <laughs> All right. We've been doing this now for almost an hour, which is an ungodly long time uh, for a, a radio broadcast. But I'm going to bring it on for just a few more minutes because we're going to talk about this this uh, Ukraine-China deal and, and, and Russia and, and uh, Taiwan and, and see if we can put it all together and wrap it up. Perry Willis, our guest, wartruth.org. On the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. Perry Willis is with us. I invited him on the program uh, because he's done a great deal of research on America at war, going all the way back to the 1800s. Uh, and it is a, an education that you're not getting in public schools. And what it seems is that uh, every time we got involved, it's because our government lied to us uh, to get us, uh, to compel us to go uh, to war. Uh, I know that uh, when uh, we went into Iraq, uh, we were told that the Iraqi military was in Kuwait uh, taking babies out of incubators. Uh, but that wasn't really true. Uh, that was actually a, a Kuwaiti, a relative of the Kuwaiti ruling uh, 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 government uh, lied to the American public. Is that right? Perry? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the other thing our politicians didn't tell us then was that our own uh, U.S. ambassador to Iraq, April Glassby, had basically given Saddam Hussein a green light for that invasion. Uh, and if so, I'm not mistaken, Kuwait was cross-drilling for oil into Iraq. Yes, yes. Yeah, we weren't, American people weren't told that either. And then it gets worse because in order to invade Iraq, uh, we had to station troops in Saudi Arabia. And to get the Saudis to do that, we faked satellite photographs showing the Iraqi army massed on the Saudi Arabian border. It wasn't true. They were fake photographs. So I remember that. I remember that. The not only lying to us, they were lying, lying to the Saudis. I remember and we station troops there. We do the invasion out of there, and we all know what that leads to later with Osama bin Laden. Uh, so everything we do recoils and blows up in our face, and it's all right. because we're I, trying to do our policy. I, I got to get some phone calls in here, at least a couple of questions for you. Uh, but I want to wrap this thing up uh, based on our history. 
does it make sense for us to be sending billions of dollars uh, in military equipment to Ukraine? I don't think so. I, I think Putin is evil. I think his invasion of Ukraine is evil. I would like to be able to believe that this would be the first intervention in our history where the results turn out good. But I just cannot ignore the verdict of history. Something is going to go wrong here. It is going to blow up in our face. It is going to cause more problems than it solves. And I, I just have to pay attention to the history. What about this great fear of China taking over Taiwan? I think you've got the same situation there. Uh, well, nobody wants, no American wants China to invade and conquer and, and subjugate Taiwan. None of us want that. I didn't want it for Hong Kong either. But I wasn't willing to fight a war over it, and I wasn't willing to risk the negative fallout that would come from it. Because we never can predict what disastrous thing is going to happen because we did something that we thought was good. It's just, it just has never worked out for us. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And in many cases, we were lied to about the intentions. Very quickly, uh, now I'm just, I'm running out of time. The Munich myth, can you do that in about two minutes, minute and a half? Yeah, the idea there is that if only we had, uh, or Britain or whoever, had resisted Hitler earlier, uh, Hitler would have been overthrown and there would have been no World War II. That is a complete myth. At every juncture, Hitler was in pretty much a no-win, a no-lose situation. When he put troops into the, into the Rhineland, uh, even if the French had pushed the troops back out, the, the German people would have seen Hitler as a hero. They wouldn't have overthrown him for that. And in the Czechoslovakia crisis, Hitler wanted war. He didn't want that agreement. He wanted to go to war right then and there because he thought he had an advantage. All right, let me just jump in right here. We are uh, fast running out of time, but if uh, I would be, I would love to hear your comments on this. We'll open up the phone lines uh, when we come back, and uh, that'll be right after the news at eleven oh five. Did you hear anything you hadn't heard before? Did you learn anything you didn't know before? And also, we're going to tie this together because right now we have American troops in Syria being attacked by the Iranians. And President Biden's don't isn't working. I'll explain how we tie this together on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. 